All right, cats and kittens, we are back with a very, a very special episode of the Brando cast, the stay at home self-quarantine episode of the Brando cast. Special because, well, I recorded probably the greatest podcast of all time with this very gentleman two days ago, but because I'm an idiot and because I'm getting fat because of the coronavirus and eating too much Taco Bell, Del Taco and Taco Bell. I screwed up my side of the recording. So I asked this gentleman if he would be willing to come back, and he said yes. So without further ado, he's a podcasting legend, one of the funniest men in America. You know him from Never Not Funny. And Jimmy's records and tapes on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen, it is the the legendary Jimmy Pardo. Hello, Brendan. Uh, look, as I said to my wife and my family, as they were wondering why I was holding up again to do a podcast with you, uh, if, if there's ever a time for somebody to have technical problems, this is it. This is the time to have it because what what, what else am I doing today? Like, I'm happy to. Uh, oh, oh, that didn't record. Great. We get to do it again. I, I was so bummed because I've saved the recording for posterity, uh, but you sound wonderful, and I sound like I'm in a cave in Barstow with uh, an old dial-in line. All right, cats and kittens, we are back in a special stay-at-home quarantine episode of the Brando Cast, and I'm not going to waste any time. From an undisclosed location here in Southern California, Mr. Jimmy Pardo. Uh, well, I could tell you that it's my house. Uh, I, I didn't uh, leave to uh, go anywhere to record this. I'm being, uh, I'm following the instructions set forth by science, Brendan. I'm following science. How did you screw up your end of it? That seems like the part that should have been uh, the easier half of this. I have really fancy equipment because, you know, again, I do a, a radio show on Sirius XM, Volume 106 with Mr. Ahmed Zappa and Richard Sheltinga, who produces this show. I've got a fancy mic. I've got an amplifier. Everything is hunky-dory. But I just didn't check the switch with the audio set up on Squadcast, and it just recorded me on my on my laptop oh. through the horrible laptop computer, and that was it. And we actually tried to salvage it. I, super producer Richard Cheltinga did the best he could, but we just couldn't. And the, the, the topic that Jimmy and I tackled that day, Cats and Kittens, was bands that should have been bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who are dying to hear Jimmy and I talk about Saga, Triumph, Marillion, The Call, and Ultravox... Well, sorry. It's just, sorry. Just know that I think all those bands should have been bigger. How about that? 
Hey, I'm a little. I'm worried about your super producer Richard. By the way, uh, the last two times I saw him, uh, in fact, I'm going to circle back. Every time I've seen him, he's been hammered. Should I be concerned? Uh, no, he. Th- this is a, a very responsible gentleman. He falls under that category of people that I would say, uh, if anyone has earned a cocktail at the end of the day, even though that's uh, that's not a very Al-Anon thing for me to say as a 20 year member of Al-Anon, uh, it's Richard. You, uh, in fairness to him, uh, the last time I saw him was uh, when you guys were doing some sort of a beverage-themed show, and then I saw him at the Kiss concert, and uh, I think everybody in your uh, little area there at the Kiss show was uh, blitzed. Well, uh, okay. Admittedly, we were blitzed uh, because we were in a very fancy suite that we cannot name. We cannot name the suite that we were in for fear of losing it in the future. However, said suite, which you and your son visited at the yes. Staples Center, was stocked to the gills with really good stuff. Hi, you know, look, I know this is not on, on topic uh, of what we're, I, I, by the way, I don't even know what we're going to be talking about. I'm just uh, uh, glad to be back and again, have anything to do today. Um, uh, how does a suite work at the Staples Center? Do you... Uh, do you get charged after the fact for all the booze and food, or is it like it's included with the fee? Let me just say that I believe, I truly believe that this was uh, something that uh, Mr. Sheltinga is able to procure every once in a while uh, because of the work that he does out in the world for other people. Okay. So if you do things for fancy people, they might turn around and go, hey, use our suite tonight. But then you use the suite. You are not then presented a bill at the end going, okay, you got to use the suite, but here is your uh, meal uh, bill. Here is your beverage bill. Everything's covered. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> because, okay. All right. Because because I, I, I benefited from the good graces of Mr. Sheltinga and the people that uh, uh, allowed us to, to get in there. Uh, it was loaded with very good tacos, Stella Artois, uh, tequila, vodka, and all kinds of desserts. And it was so fun. Uh, speaking of that concert, uh, the last live show I saw, Kiss and David Lee Roth at the Staples Center. Uh, was it the last show that, that you saw? Boy, that's a great question. If you can indulge me for a moment, I'm going to put on what I call my reading glasses and I'm going to go to my, what I call my computer, my calendar. Uh, so that was March the 4th. And I'm looking now, nothing else. Then we locked down. So yeah, March the 4th, I, we, we were both at the Staples Center. We were both seeing a, a band that's up and coming. And we wish <laughs> you guys a lot of luck. Uh, we saw, because you've you've, you've uh, buried the, uh, the, the uh, headline on this, the lead. We saw Kiss. And as I as I told you last time, I, my, I brought my son, my 12-year-old son, who that was like his fifth Kiss concert. And as I've said many, many times, the first Kiss concert I brought him to was out at the uh, Irvine Meadows, whatever that thing is called. He was five years old at the time. And uh, boy, you don't know what it's like to be white trash until you bring your five-year-old to a concert. Oh, my <laughs> God. It was just like even even hillbillies were looking at me like, dude, come on, be a better father than this. It was it was weird, man. It's a you know, it's a bunch of high drunk people at a Kiss show. And I got a child there. It was uh, I felt, uh, but he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. And he's. Uh, the the Irvine Meadows, which is now gone, like right. the original Irvine Meadows, right now was probably bulldozed to the ground. That was a, a wonderful meeting place between Los Angeles County and Orange County metalheads and rock trash and hillbillies. To your point, so but that was Oliver's first concert was Kiss at Irvine, 
That was the first how many one. Times, yeah. How many times has Oliver seen Kiss? I think it's five now. I think we saw we saw him that time when they were on. That was the Def Leppard tour. Uh, so, but we, we got there after I, I planned it. So he didn't have to sit through Def Leppard. Not that we don't like them, but I just knew it'd be a long night, uh, if we uh, didn't. So uh, he saw that one. And then, you know, we were, we were seasoned subscribers or season ticket holders for the LA kiss arena football team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go on. You have the floor. <laughs> I let that silence just lay there like it should have. That was, uh, yeah, we, uh, I was just, for, for two seasons, maybe, I think I was even as a ticket holder for the third season that got canceled. Uh, but we were season ticket holders. So we would drive down to Anaheim and, and watch arena football, uh, with the other 45 people that would show up at those things. It was, I, I will say this. It was a lot of fun. The, the games themselves were fun. Uh, the, the LA kiss stunk cause they were a, uh, an expansion team. I don't think we ever, I don't think we, I seriously don't think we ever saw them win. I don't think we ever saw a game where they won, but because, because part of the, the, Hey, if you are a C, if you, if you are a, uh, a season ticket holder, we will do a private show for you. And what they ended up doing was when they, when kiss was at the forum, you got to go see them at the forum. But apparently I was not one of these people. Apparently there were enough greasy wheels saying, Hey, while I appreciate the free tickets for the forum, you promised us an exclusive show. So they ended up doing an exclusive bare bones version of their show uh, at the Honda Center uh, for maybe just a couple of thousand people. And um, it was it was like watching a a rehearsal, really. It was like watching them. They were in full makeup and stuff, which they didn't have to do. They could have just come out, in my opinion. Um, But so that was his second show. And that was a great show. That was fun. And then we saw them uh, some a third time. I can't recall which one that was. And then we saw them at the Forum on the most recent tour, and then we saw them at the Staples Center that night. So f- five times. He's seen them five times. Did the arena football team, did the KISS arena football team play in makeup? Well, if they did, we didn't see it because they had the helmets on. So um, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Um, they would. This was the weirdest thing. They would They would play Shout It Out Loud whenever there was a touchdown, uh, a KISS, an LA KISS touchdown. But that was the only KISS song they played the entire time. Everything else was... Uh, Ozzy and Dio and um, uh, Sabbath and Zeppelin. And it was like, you, you own the team, man. Everybody, no, nobody, uh, nobody is here because they're a football fan. No, everybody here is a Kiss fan. So you should be playing nothing but Kiss music. Why are you, why are you, why am I hearing Ozzy? I shouldn't be hearing Ozzy. It's the perfect opportunity because Gene and Paul own the team. It's not Gene, Paul, Ace, Peter, Kulik, uh, Tommy Thayer, right? Eric Singer, any of those guys. It's Gene and Paul. So they could at least play songs from their solo records. How about that? How about it? it, it literally, it was only, you know, uh, it would be, a, and, and that's an only kiss touchdown. And those, by the way, they didn't have to play that all that often. They did not have to. It, it, that said, it was the only downside was having to drive to Anaheim. Uh, oh yeah, to see the yeah. game. If, if it was, and th- and I, that was the mistake they made too. Had they done it uh, closer to Los Angeles, uh, I think they would have had a bigger audience and, and been more successful. But what do I know? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I think Gene and Paul owe you uh, some sort of private show. When all is said and done, uh, for the effort that you have made uh, for Kiss. Yeah. By the way, Kiss Army members uh, didn't get a discount for the Arena Football Team, did they? I don't believe so. No, I think, you know, we, uh, although that's a tickets were not expensive. They were, 
Uh, in fact, I had I, I initially bought because my, my idea was, well, I want to go see that private concert. So I'm going to buy the cheapest season tickets and maybe my son and I will enjoy it. And that'll be our thing to bond over. It would be this arena football. And we um, uh, we had horrible seats for that cheap money. Like it was like seven bucks a game, like at these tickets. And we so enjoyed that first one that I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the front office and ask if I could bump up to better seats. And they were more than happy to have me sit a little closer so that it wasn't completely empty. And so that was fine. Again, we enjoyed it every single time we went. We'd go, we'd get stupid food, we'd enjoy the game, and then we'd drive the four hours home. So it was, you know. Was the food kiss themed? Because we know that Gene loves to brand everything, uh, everything kiss. There's kiss coffins, there's there's kiss costumes, there's kiss shoes. Were there kiss dogs or kiss burgers? I wish they would have been, uh, but no, they were just the regular in-house Honda Center. You know, whatever, uh, whatever the Mighty Ducks also got. In fact, I, th- I think they were still named after like the Ducks. I think it was still like, you know, the hockey puck burger or whatever the hell you'd get. I, I don't know. So, uh, but I'm with you. I would have liked a, a flaming youth hot dog. <laughs> I would have liked a Mr. Speed shake. A God of Thunder burger. I got a Thunder burger. There it is. Boy, that's, that's a better example than anything I said. God damn it. Fantastic. Um, hey, I do remember. I'll, I'll bring back one thing that you said in the last show. Yes. And by the by the way, ladies and gentlemen listening at home, there is an Australian cattle dog roaming around my apartment because we are not in a fancy studio. Uh, you will hear Django every once in a while because the delivery people keep on coming into the apartment complex. Is people that dog named it. after Django Reinhardt? Uh, I believe so. Not Django Unchained. He, Django is a rescue, uh, and he was named Django when I got him. And the guy that I uh, adopted him from was a musician. So I'm going to assume Django yeah. Reinhardt. Uh, but let me just say this. Ahead, there yes. was one thing that you said the other day when we recorded the greatest podcast of all time, <laughs> that your son had a very simple review of the yep. David Lee Roth concert. Uh, so the other day we we're out for our family walk as we uh, try to take every day during this, uh, kidnapping by this virus. And, uh, so we were on the walk and Oliver could not remember the name of, uh, the gentleman I'm about to say. So he could not remember it. And he said, Hey dad, uh, who opened up for kiss when we saw him as the, the, the former lead singer of Van Halen. And I said, Oh, that's David Lee Roth. And then he said, Oh, that's right. He was funny. My son's <laughs> review of the rock and roll star, the legendary, Van Halen frontman David the Roth was not, oh, it wasn't, uh, oh, God, that was a great show. It wasn't, oh, man, does he got the pipes. Oh, those are great songs. None of that. It was, oh, yeah, he was funny. That's what we do <laughs> for multi-million dollar album seller David Lee Roth. Although I think David Lee Roth, as he gets older and older, and I've said this before, he he is beginning to look like a dentist from Pasadena, oh, which boy, is what a, a track he could have taken in life. <laughs> I like the you know look I like the way he dresses now in that in that way too tight shirt and vest with the you know the the watch fob you know it's like everything about his look I think is great and look nobody's having more fun than that guy and uh, I used to I used to be so down on him because I I just kind of referred to him as a clown back even when he was with Van Halen I referred to him as a clown like because he's not a great singer but I the last few times I've seen him live I've I've got a new appreciation for him I've enjoyed him I I, I found their their shtick uh, in the 80s a little too put on. I, it, it didn't, uh, oh, but they're so funny. Look at he's riding on a giant microphone or what he's doing this. The, like, I just found their shtick to be that. Like the, the, the guys that think they're funny being funny and we're all supposed to believe it. But uh, now I just, I, I find him to be a joy. Like him, you know, the guitarist is doing a solo and he's off to the side, uh, you know, uh, wiping down the mic stand 
and presentationally and then showing it off as if he did anything. You didn't know anything. You wiped down a mic stand with a cloth, but he, ta-da! And we just got a kick out of it. In the glory days, he hosted a party more than he fronted a band. Mm. That's the way that I looked at him back then. And I still say one of the top three concerts I've ever seen was the 1981 Fair Warning Tour at Tingley Coliseum in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this is this is right before he turned the corner into clown school. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, because yeah. well, well, once MTV videos really took off, and then he got uh, the bug to be a video star. I think that that's what that the clown aspect crept into his brain. Uh, even so. when he he dressed like Napoleon in, in the pretty woman in the pretty woman video. But before that, he was the coolest guy at the party. Not a great singer, but an amazing frontman. Uh, so let's just start the game. Okay. With let's just start the game with that tonight. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna rehash what we did the other day. Bands that should have been di- bigger. Today, with a man who knows more about music than I do, I'm no. That's play- not true. That is not a true statement at all. At all. No. You're you and Dave Holmes are the only other two people that uh, that I believe have the same amount of brain space as me, uh, devoted to the minutia of rock, pop, new wave, uh, especially seventies and eighties music. I will agree with you on seventies and eighties music. Uh, I think Dave Holmes uh, far surpasses uh, anything that I could do uh, post nineteen eighty nine. Dave, boy, Dave knows everything. And then, uh, do you know Chip Pope? Chip Pope knows a lot about the 80s. Posehn, of course, knows a lot about metal. Uh, there's others, but my niche is 75 to, to 85 or 86. I, I know it. Then, then, then today's game is going to be a lot of goddamn fun because we're just going to play a very simple game that I invented last night. It's called, it's called Yay or Nay. Okay. Okay, so let's just start. Let's just start with what we were just talking about, Van Halen. And we're listening to Unchained in the background. That would be my favorite Dave era song, um, I think. I think that's my favorite, uh, although I do like uh, stuff off 1984. Are, so are we saying David, are we saying Roth era or Hagar era or just as a whole? We are, uh, you know what? That is an amazing caveat, and I'm just going to say Roth era. Yay or nay? I mean, if I say nay, I sound like an asshole, but uh, I mean, I, I, I don't love them the way everybody else does. I do very much enjoy Van Halen, but I do not love Roth era Van Halen the way that I'm, I'm told I'm supposed to. That is, I love the honest answer. I apologize for the barking. Django, would you please shut up? Do you think Django does not like my answer? Like, he's just barking like, you idiot. The Roth era rules over the Hagar crap. He, I think so. He he hates UPS trucks, postal trucks, and people who don't like Van Halen. So I, I apologize so. for that. I understand. Yeah. Completely understandable. Okay. I didn't even have Van Halen on the list, but what I do have are a bunch of, I have a theory that the true foundation of our music passion really comes in around eighth, ninth, tenth grade. We might have bands that we love when we're little, little kids, but when we're you're really able to go out and buy music and make decisions and take that allowance money and put it, the cash down on, on, on a counter at Sound Warehouse or Peaches or the National Record Mart or wherever you, you bought your stuff, I really feel like the music that you hear and, and, and celebrate when you're eighth, ninth, tenth grade, that is the kind of the stuff that stays with you forever. So I, because I know that you and I are roughly the, the same age, I'm just going to throw some bands at you. Okay. And 
Okay, and you just give me a yay or nay, and you can. But just, wait a minute, can, go go back a second. Uh, you didn't yeah. give your opinion on Van Halen. That's a yay, I assume. You said it was the greatest show you've ever seen. So yeah. I have, I have a, uh, uh, I have a women and children uh, duvet cover on my comforter. You so. are a child. You wonder why you live alone and eat Oreos. You. <laughs> you. The, the drag about doing, the drag about doing podcasts on these remote. You know, uh, via Zoom or Squadcast is that la you can't hear the laughter, but <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were one. They are, I would say, top five for me of all time. And and it hit me like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. The first because the first show I ever saw was 1980 women and children tour and it felt dangerous because i was in seventh grade and i'm in an arena filled with all of the the heshers and the stoners because the jocks hadn't really shown up to van halen in 1980 i'm in an, uh, in the tingley coliseum in albuquerque new mexico with with all the dangerous kids right and 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 it just smelled like the smell of weed i can still remember what that was like and it was scary but you know i'm there with my closest friends and it was uh it was something that that I will never forget, and uh, they were ridiculous back then. And I would argue, in nineteen by the time nineteen eighty one comes around, they're the greatest live act in America at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that for that moment in time, they were absolutely the best, and I'm so fortunate that I got to see them. So they are a massive yay for me. Okay, so let's just keep chugging along. When you hear the song, the lucky ones. By Loverboy? <laughs> By Loverboy. That's what we're listening to right now. Loverboy. Loverboy Jimmy Pardo. Yay or nay? You know what? I'm going to say yay. And, uh, and and I'll tell you why. Uh, if you if you look at them, uh, and I'm pulling up them on what I call my, uh, my iPhone. If you go to their hits, Turn Me Loose is great. Working for the Weekend is great. Take Me to the Top is great. The Kid is Hot Tonight is great. Uh, loving every minute of it. Uh, maybe a little too much langy, but I like it. Uh, only, only the lucky one. Love it. Uh, hot girls in love. I love. Uh, but if you look, if you go back to like the kid is hot under, take me to the top, or turn me loose. Those are great. Those are great effing songs, man. I agree. I agree. And and I'm and only 2020 Brendan is agreeing with you. Some something has opened in my heart, and uh -huh. I would say in the last three months, because because as a fan of Van Halen. Dio, Ozzy, Priest, and Iron Maiden during the heyday of Loverboy. Right. We were told to hate them. The, 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 the army of metalheads were told subliminally to kill a member of Loverboy if they ever, <laughs> if they ever came into your field of vision. But right. now, at all those songs that you listed, you can't argue. They're fun. They're poppy. Right? It's candy. It's sugar sweet. But God damn it, they're good. I love... I, I uh I, I I liked them enough when they were popular, quote unquote. It was you know after and I, I talk about this a lot on on Jimmy's records and tapes, my uh, my web series, which I'll bore you more about later. But I talk about how I went through an era where um, you know when I was on the road as a comic, I, you know I quit my day job in '89, I went on the road and basically you know lived in my car going across the country working comedy clubs. That if somebody issued a new album, I would just buy I, like I recognize Loverboy's name. I didn't love them, but I go, hey, there's a name of a band I kind of like, so I'd buy it. And then that, that's when I kind of rediscovered some bands that I, I too, rolled my eyes at uh, when MTV played them way too much. Uh, but yes, I've come around uh, uh, much later on Loverboy as well, and uh, 
I think it hurts. I think that's the name hurts them. I think it kind of puts them in a kind of a, a the, the name alone is a joke. But the, the songs are solid songs. The red leather pants bothered me for some reason. Uh, the, the, Paul Dean wearing red leather pants. I thought that was dumb. And I thought Mike, uh, what's his face? Mike, Mike Love Reno. or what? Mike Reno. Mike Reno. Mike Reno. Thank you. Wearing the the bandana didn't work for me back then. Again, you know, I'm more interested in dragons and kings rather than songs about going out and dating your high school crush, which Loverboy seemed to, you know. I saw them live though, and I believe that I saw them live. I don't remember if it was Journey. Or for the next act that I'm going to throw at you. Okay. And the next act that I'm going to throw at you was alluded to before. It's Sammy Hagar solo. And in the background, we're listening to There's Only One Way to Rock. You know, he's another one that I... Here's the deal. Um, I saw Sammy on the uh, uh, the VOA. Was that the name of his album? Uh, the, yes, the, Voice what, of America. Is that the one with uh, I Can't Drive 55 on it? Yes. Uh, so I saw that concert when it came to Los Angeles, or not Los Angeles, to Chicago, because I believe we got free tickets because I worked with the record store. And so I saw that show and I liked it. And then, you know, who cares? Uh, but I was really, I hated, I hated Sammy Hagar. And then, I, but I didn't dislike, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't mad that he joined Van Halen. I just didn't give a shit at the time. I now prefer the Van Hagar era than I did. But Hagar solo. Uh, my my roommate when I moved to Los Angeles uh, was a big Sammy Hagar fan. Pat uh, it was his is his name, and so he brought me to see the uh, the Marching on Mars tour. And I'm not gonna lie, it turned me around on Sammy Hagar. That show alone was like, you know what? I've been wrong about this guy. This guy's great. Uh, you know, I, I've even uh, I went back to enjoy Montrose, and uh, and I I really and then that made me go back and revisit that. That, that Hagar era Van Halen and realized, boy, there's a lot of those songs I like too. I don't like, I, I don't know if I need their, you know, uh, again, their shtick with the, you know, for unlawful, non uh, carnal knowledge. Oh, you're fucking interesting. You 40 year old idiots. But uh, I do, I do. Uh, yes. I So long windedly, I'm going to say, yay. Fantastic. Uh, and I, I was a yay back before he joined Van Halen. I saw the Voice of America tour and the Three Lock Box tour in Albuquerque. Uh-huh. Night Ranger opened up for him on one of those shows. And again, I think Loverboy did. I'm not going to bore people with how much it killed me when he joined Van Halen because that meant that the David Lee Roth era was over. It was a very difficult. It was harder than my parents' divorce. Uh-huh. It was something that um, I waited way too long to come back around. But here's what has sold me on Sammy Hagar. I am convinced that right now, even with the coronavirus and the staying at home, Sammy Hagar is living a happier life than all of us. Because all that guy does is travel around, talk to his rock star friends, put it on axe, drink Cabo tequila, and now jam with his buddies. And actually, they've been, you know, he's got he's got uh, Chicken Foot and he's got the circle with uh, Jason Bonham and Michael Anthony. And they've been cranking out some songs during the pandemic. And it's just a party. Sammy Hagar is living a very, very, very happy life. That uh, that former roommate of mine, Pat, described him best to me. And this helped me with Sammy Hagar, too, that he is Hard Rock's version of Jimmy Buffett. Like he is just Having a great time, and if you're at his concert, you're having a great time too. Hundred, that is, 
an amazing way to describe him. He is Rock's Jimmy Buffett, 100%. Yeah. It made me like him more. Eh? That, that that description did. I don't know if he still has a piece of ownership in it, but have you ever been to the Cabo Cantina and the Hollywood and Highland Mall? If, if you're looking for very average food, that's your spot. If you're looking, we, 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 boy, we tried that place way more than we should have. Like we kept giving it another chance because uh, my, my wife is a vegetarian and my, my son doesn't really dig meat that much either. Uh, so it's hard for us to find a land on a place. So we go to a lot of Mexican. So like, I think we were maybe going to the Pantages or something. And so very often we would end up at Hollywood and Highland and go, I guess we got to go to the, I guess we got to go to Hagar's place and it's fine. Right. Same for you. Or did you enjoy it? I was told that they had a good burrito. So, you know, I'm an idiot. If you tell me that Popeye's has the best chicken sandwich on the planet, I, I've got to go and try it. Yep. And I was told I was told that the burrito was fantastic at the Cabo Cantina. Is it the best burrito in Los Angeles? Fuck no. It's, no. It doesn't even make the top 40. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there's 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 10 burrito places, you know, near downtown. <laughs> but I have been inside. So yeah. that is that is fantastic. All right. Sammy Hagar. Staying in the 80s, here's a, here's one that I don't know. I don't know what you're going to say about this oh, one. Okay. For two seconds in Brendan's this life, he used to draw the logo of this band on his uh, algebra book. It's 38 special. You know, I went through I went through a phase as well where I uh, I loved the hell out of them. I loved them. Jim Peterick, uh, you know, uh, writing or co-writing all the songs uh, that that we know. Um, of course, if you don't know who Jim Peterick is, he's the guy that wrote uh, Eye of the Tiger and Vehicle for Ides of March and all the Survivor hits. Um, yeah, I've seen 38 Special in concert, I want to say two to three times. Uh, a couple times as a headlining act and then uh, maybe another time when they were uh, you know, on one of those uh, group gigs, you know, three bands uh, to try to sell tickets. Um, I like them. I like them. I don't know if I ever drew their logo on the... Uh, on anything, but uh, yeah, sure. I will tell you this: that I, I th- recently I do find myself when they show up on '80s on Eight, that they don't uh, they don't stick around very long. Like I, I think th- that's a band where I've heard "Hold On Loosely" or um, you know whatever. It comes, like uh, there was a time where I'd go, "Hey, Thirty Eight Special." Now it's like, nah, heard it enough, we're good. Do you think there's a version of Thirty Eight Special that's uh, that's out there? There must be a state fair version of uh, Thirty Eight Special that's playing the. Uh Native American casinos around the country right now. I uh, I, uh, I believe that there is. I believe, uh, boy, what's his name? I can't pull the lead singer's name. Well, I only know Donnie Van Zant, who was a Van Zant brother, uh, Ronnie and Johnny, of course, being in uh, Leonard Skinnerd, uh, and they, the other brother was uh, he. He didn't really do anything in Thirty Eight Special except <laughs> stand there and and look like he should be in Leonard Skinnerd. I think that was. Uh, I think that's what sold them to people initially. Oh, it's the guy from it's Leonard Skinner's brothers. This the band has to be good. Like they had, they unnecessarily had two lead singers and two drummers. Like everything, they they just didn't know how to say no to anybody. There was zero reason for them to have two drummers. Hundred percent. They were playing the exact same thing. I know, right? It it made no like. Now one could argue the other way. Well, at least they're good friends and they're loyal. Like they could have told one of those guys kick rocks and they didn't. Why can't I put? It's not Max Carl. Max Carl is the guy that came in and ended up singing with them for a bit. I have to look this up, uh, Brennan, because it's going to drive me nuts if I don't. The, uh, the the long-haired gentleman who sang all the hits. Yeah, and he just had a solo album out last year where he did a cover of "Feeling Stronger Every Day" by Chicago, and it was pretty good. 
Oh, uh, well, that, that, that would sell you because you're a giant Chicago fan. Everybody knows that about Jimmy, that uh, uh, one of Jimmy's uh, favorite I, bands. Uh, Don Barnes. Don Barnes, sure. Don Barnes. The great Don Barnes. This is, this is, by the way, this is the funnest thing that I've done. This is the funnest thing I've done all week. <laughs> right, because what else are you doing? Nothing. I would be standing in line at the Toluca Lake Trader Joe's right now, and I actually drove by about an hour ago, and the line was 40 deep. So I was like, nope, fuck it. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to put together a list for Jimmy. All right. And then and the next one, the next one is a controversial one. Because oh, boy. For those of us who were coming of age at the end of the 70s and the early 80s, this gentleman was about as big a rock star as there was at the time. We had no idea what his politics were. We had no idea that he loved hunting. We had no idea that uh, he would one day threaten to kill an American president. (laughs) But it's one of the first records that I ever had. And you're hearing Cat Scratch Fever, and that can only mean that I'm going to ask Jimmy, yay or nay, on Ted Nugent. I look, I, 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 I will stand by that Stranglehold may be in the top ten songs ever. If you're a hard rock guy, Stranglehold is flawless. I, I dude, I he is one where I cannot separate the art from the artist. I really can't. I, I have a real tough time enjoying him anymore. In fact, I used to have a, an autographed. Uh, album cover him up on the wall and i took it down i just couldn't uh i can't i i, I know that sounds a-holy but i just can't he is one where i cannot separate it he did do if i could bore you for two seconds in fact i tell the story on stage sometimes as a comic uh to one guy's amusement but uh i went to see him at the uh at the canyon club and he did first of all he did of course he uh, used uh, a lot of racist words said something to a, an African-American gentleman that uh, I will not repeat, but the guy was in the audience, with, I assume, with a, that had paid a ticket and was insulted by Ted from the stage. And so, uh, but Ted did this, where he's, he's playing, he's playing the music, and wow, and he goes, so, uh, Brenda, you have one line here. Your line is, uh, you are the, you're the full audience at this concert. Your line is, yeah. When I ask you the question, your line is, yeah, okay? And I am Ted Nugent, both he and his guitar. Here it goes. Wow, 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 that sounds sexy. Wow, wow, whoa, that sounds wow, wow. How's that sound? That sound good? Yeah. Bullshit sounds great. Wow, wow, wow. He did a I'm gonna shake your hand, pull it back, and rub it through your hair in a rock show uh with patter. Does that sound good? Bullshit sounds great. And I loved it. Like that part of him I love. Uh one time we saw him open up for Kiss. Uh, back when I think it was, uh, I forget what tour it was, but, uh, it was down at the, again in Irvine in Anaheim rather. And he decided to call us a bunch of LA FAGs 100 times. Get up off your asses, you LAFs. And he just kept saying it. Oh, look at you LAFs. You guys don't know how to rock. Like, dude, we're the ones here. <laughs> <laughs> like he just, again, I can't, but dude, there's five. He's got five great tunes, right? Minimum five. Uh, a great white buffalo stranglehold dog eat dog cat scratch fever terminus el dorado no <laughs> sorry uh, you know what song is also good uh, uh uh fred bear the one that he did years later that's a good song uh but you know but wango tango is awful wang dang sweet poon tang is awful i i liked him as a kid but you know no there i i no 
Uh, where are you at these days with him? You you said you said everything out of out of my head. I cannot separate the artist from the idiot, or, or from like the music from the. You said it. I cannot. I can't separate it because he's a jackass. Yeah, he and, is. And, and and the story of berating uh, someone in the audience, especially at the Canyon Club in Agora Hills. For those of you outside the city of Los Angeles, you must understand that this little club that is a is a is a venue for artists that are past their prime. Yes. Let me just put it that way. It's out in Agora Hills, which is not in Los Angeles. If you're driving from Hollywood, you're lucky if that's a 45-minute ride. Lucky. Like it, it's way the fuck out there in the far. It's almost Ventura County. I mean, it's yeah. far, deep, deep, deep. It's past the valley. So you have – so that person – was probably not from Calabasas no, or even Woodland not. Hills. Nope. That person made a trip all the way out just to get berated by Ted Nugent. And that's, a, you know, I would say my friends and I, in the early 90s, he put out some hunting videos. And in the early 90s, it was he it was still like, oh, he's a hunter. He wasn't yet super politically outspoken NRA rifle and bow on the stage. And he put out a bunch of videos called Spirit of the Wild, which which sort of sold the idea of spiritual hunting. Like he would mm -hmm. only hunt animals that uh, were, you know, in the native American approach to hunting, which was these animals present themselves to you. They're older members of the herd. You're one with nature. You do it right. And I thought, we thought like, Oh, okay. That's a, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not big into hunting, but that seems like a cool approach. But then, you know, years later, he's uh, almost as bad as Alex Jones and Glenn Beck. He really uh, is. I agree with you. If, if he's not as bad, he may be as bad as them. Like, yeah, he, he may be as bad as them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And this reminds me, uh, this is such an interesting segue. Speaking of berating the crowd, oh the, next, the next person I'm going to present to you, it's another rock solo artist. This guy berated the crowd in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, he was at the height of his power. This is 1983. Def Leppard opened up for this gentleman oh, and pyromania was breaking. Uh, pyromania was breaking. Photograph had just come out on MTV. Albuquerque, New Mexico was already a Def Leppard city. So everybody was there to see Def Leppard and not Billy Squire. And I will tell you this, that what happened after Def Leppard finished, half the crowd left. The, the, they really? place, the place was completely packed. Again, this is another show at Tingley Coliseum, the only place in Albuquerque for big rock shows in the 80s. The, half the place emptied out. And Billy Squire, and this was his Emotions in Motions tour. So he's got a, uh, he's got a, uh, he's got a couple hits. He's about to kill his career with the video for Rock Me Tonight. Right. But he started berating those of us that stayed for the people who left. And it was such a weird, strange night. Also, my friend Tracy Winkworth's, or my friend Mark Winkworth's sister, Tracy, got dosed. So our little group had to deal with that for the evening. She took a, a drink of Coke from a, a stranger's cup and then oh. ended up in the, uh, the, uh, the emergency situation there in Tingley. But Billy Squire just, he couldn't let it go all night long that half the crowd left after Def Leppard finished. So Billy Squire, yay or nay? You know, I'm a yay guy. Uh, I, I, I've seen him several times in concert. I enjoy him. I think She's a Runner is a f phenomenal song. Uh, that first album's flawless. Um, 
I even like rock, 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 ignore the video. Rock me tonight's a great song. Um, here's a quick, fun Billy Squire story for you. I was, uh, you know, before I was a comic, right before I was a comic, I worked for MCA records. And somebody that I worked with at MCA then went over to work at Capitol records and I was a comic, but I was still kind of green, but they asked me if I, they hired me to host the, uh, basically what the, uh, capitals upfronts for the year. Like here's the, the, the hot, uh, the big releases we're expecting for, I guess it would have been maybe 90 or 91. I forget what year it was. And uh, Billy Squire, so and they would have the person come out and and play some songs, and so I would come out between the bands and uh, uh, like Najee, the jazz guy, w- was there, and a band called King of the Hill, which uh, was a kind of a poison knockoff, but they were pretty good. Uh, and then some other Capital Acts, but one of them, the the the, the exciting night w- thing was that Billy Squire was going to be there. And so for reasons to this second I don't understand, I had a share a microphone with whoever the lead singer was of the performer, whoever was performing. I had to then go up and then grab that mic while they swatched out the rest of the stage for the next act while I would entertain the crowd. If I entertain them, I mean, talk while people ignored me because they were uh, now they can talk because the band's not playing. Like it was, it was a thankless gig. So Billy sets is setting up. So he's kind of setting up behind uh, whoever was before him. I forget how it worked exactly. So then I'm, I'm behind the curtain. I go to grab the microphone and Billy goes, uh, hey, man, what are you doing? That's my microphone. And I said, well, I need to use it to go out there uh, to uh, to introduce you. And he goes, no, that's my microphone, man. He goes, you, get, you know, you got to find another one. I go, and I look, I turn around. I, I literally, like, I, and I can't believe it. I go, I go, this is the way we were doing it all night, man. That's what I said to him. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no worries. Neither will share the microphone. No problem. Like he backed off immediately and realized uh, that maybe he would uh, be in a dick. But uh, I just thought it was hysterical that I got uh, I got in a shouting match with Billy Squire and neither of us were wrong. Like there's, of course I shouldn't be grabbing his microphone as he's about to start playing. It's ridiculous. But um, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that's my, my Billy Squire story. May you live a long and prosperous life, but I hope your tombstone says got into a shouting match with Billy <laughs> with Squire. Uh, you know, something else you made me think of it. We, uh, we went to see um, uh, Meatloaf and Cindy Lauper toured uh, for, uh, for about a month and a half. And this was at the Universal Amphitheater when it was still around. And Cindy Lauper opened, and the venue was jammed. And uh, um, oh shit, I have it on my wall the the album that Meatloaf had out at the time. Uh, did I say that? That's not the name of it. Uh, could have said it better. I think is the name of the album. And he, so he was not at the peak of his powers yet. This was be. This was, you know, uh, remember he was huge again with Bad Out of Hell too, and then he kind of fallen back to where he had to partner up with Cindy Lauper to do a tour. So Cindy opened. The place was jammed, as you expect, Universal Amphitheater. And then, and I was surprised by this at intermission, more than half the people left. More than half left. And uh, we're looking around, going, Jesus Christ, this is sad that nobody's here for Meatloaf. This is bizarre. And so Meatloaf's like two songs in, and he goes. Uh, throw those lights up. Let me see those people. And I literally yelled out, don't do that. You know, you don't want to see what's happening out here. It, it was. And then they went up and he goes, all right. And then right back down. Like he must have saw like, oh, no, because Cindy has a huge following in Los Angeles, you know, uh, you know, with the with her uh, huge, you know, LGBTQ community. Uh, she is, you know, and then they apparently did not want to see meatloaf that night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, you people must understand, because of the technology of doing remote podcasting, you can't laugh when the other person is talking because the audio on all of these things, right. whether it's Zoom or Squadcast, just garbles and jumbles up. I, I have been 
holding my laughter back the whole time because no one is better at yay or nay than Jimmy Pardo. I'm going to take you to Chicago. Oh, wait, wait. Nobody's, I'm gonna nobody's take- better than this brand new game? <laughs> this game you made up this afternoon, nobody's better than me? Thank you. I'll take that, that very high praise. I'm going to take you to Chicago to a, a strange show that I saw at the UIC Pavilion as this band was was launching themselves to the next level. And it was an amazing show. It was the kick tour. And it's in excess. In excess, Jimmy Pardo, yay or nay? Oh, huge yay. Huge yay. Uh, This is amazing how you're hitting all these bands that I have a story about. So uh, I was in on NXS early, uh, and then we ended up seeing him. uh, It still was, it was maybe the beginning of the Listen Like Thieves tour, uh, and they played the Aragon Ballroom. They They had not yet flipped over to being huge. And I was there with my girlfriend, Dawn, and I've, t- I've told this story many times. I've told it in front of Dawn and her new boyfriend at some point. I told this story. Uh, so, Dawn, we're backstage because I was in the record business. And so we're backstage and we're hanging out with NXS. And one of the Ferris brothers, and I forget which one, was hitting on Dawn, like literally right in front of me. He's hitting on her as if I was invisible. And I just, it was like so emasculating and so humiliating. He literally, so she, I said, uh, and I probably was getting jealous and getting angry. And, uh, and at the same time going, uh, you know, being a sycophant of I'm backstage with NXS. Like it probably was a, a conflict of, of, uh, you know, I was, I don't even think I was 20 years old yet. So I was, you know, 18 years old in my head's I'm, I'm hanging out with rock stars sort of thing. And, um, so I remember saying, Hey, Dawn, we have to leave. Cause we were there with my buddy, Dave and his girlfriend and uh, Hey, they want to take off. So we have to leave. And she goes, she says to him, okay, I have to leave now. And he's like, and I can't do an Australian accent. You're leaving with this guy. You're going home with him, huh? You have a chance to fuck a rock star. You're going home with him? And she's like, yep, I'm going home. And so uh, I, I quote unquote won that night, I guess. But still- <laughs> yeah. Uh, now that said, I still say yay. I still think that the boy, their dirty dozen is, is phenomenal. They're, 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 their 12 biggest hits are flawless. They're flawless. I truly thought if Michael Hutchins had lived that they would have possibly gotten to that U2 level because they were tremendous live. That show that UIC on the kick tour was public image limited opened up for them. Wow. Uh, you and I have said before on, in a different forum that we have been at many of the same shows in Chicago. Yes. At the same time, uh, if people don't know, I did win $93 off Jimmy for oh God, guessing on his podcast. Never not funny because uh, his game with all the guys there and me as a guest was who opened up for the cults at the, uh, the Riviera in Chicago circa 87, 88. And uh, I was there. So I knew the answer, which was divinals oh and, God. and the blood that ran out of Jimmy's face when he realized that, I was there. Oh, oh, shit. Somebody knows this. It was the Couldn't believe it. First of all, the Divinal Divinal should not have been opening up for the cults. They made it made no sense pairing wise. Um, And so it was like, well, nobody's going to know this. I could I could uh, risk all the money in my pocket. And damn it. Jimmy did win the $93 back later on in the show because the game was guess what what year this Anthony Newley record was made. Yes, I uh, you were very kind. You basically just said, "Hey, what a hand is uh, is open and which hand is closed?" and I had to guess that to get my money back. It was that it was that easy. Fantastic. I'm going to stay at the Aragon Ballroom. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't even write this. The best show I ever saw at the Aragon Ballroom was The Replacements, but I was also there for the Red Hot Chili Peppers 
Jimmy Pardo, yay or nay, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm not kidding. There cannot be a bigger nay. I don't know if I, I mean, there's a lot of bands I hate that hit my ear wrong, but I don't know if I hate a band more than them. I mean, I, and I really hate them. I really, like, I can tolerate some Grateful Dead. I would never say I'm a fan. I I would say I don't like them. Uh, But Red Hot Chili Peppers, no effing way. But you love them. They're your favorite band. I, my my entire back is the logo the 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 weird star thing. It's that's the tattoo on my back. Yes, uh-huh. I I love them. And what 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 bugs you the most about the Chili Peppers? I don't know. They're shitty songs. Uh, they're they're the the uh, they're hey look at we're always on the edge when in fact they're not on the edge ever. Like everything about them is just false to me. And I just. Uh, dude, I don't know. Chicago is my favorite band. Uh, you know, obviously the Chili Peppers isn't going to hit me right. So I don't know. Nope. I love it. Excellent. All right, let's. We're, we're rounding up. We, we've been doing this for fifty minutes, so I'm just going to throw. I'm just going to throw a couple more at you. Here's one that I we could have done on the bands that should have been bigger. Again, the legendary podcast that'll never see the light of day. Bands that should have been bigger with Brendan Smith and Jimmy Pardo. I'm playing strength in the background. Oh. Strength is the alarm. Should have been bigger. Jimmy Pardo, yay or nay? Uh, you know what? I, I I saw. I want to say I saw. Did I see them at the Aragon Ballroom? Is that where I saw the alarm? I, see, I think it was no. Riviera. I did not. I, I saw them uh, at the uh, oh, where they had Poplar Creek opening for somebody. Yeah, I think I saw them opening for somebody because I was working for MCA Records. And they opened for yeah. Uh, I I very much enjoy the alarm. And what was the name of the album that came out that that, that we um uh, oh darn it I have to uh, what was the name of that album that came out I'm sorry for doing this this is not good radio but uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh uh, rain in the summertime was the, was the big hit uh, that came out uh, off of uh, Eye of the Hurricane I love them I think that I agree with you man they should have. Uh, they should have flopped over bigger, and that's boy, that's bizarre that they didn't. They were tremendous live. I think I saw them at the Riviera, but again, in the mid '80s, mid to late '80s, a lot of those venues bleed together in my mind. Unless it was a giant show at at Alpine Valley uh, or a very special show at the Cabaret Metro, sometimes it was I at the Vic or the Riviera or the Aragon because I went to all those shows. But they were tremendous. I am also uh, guilty of of trying to i had a weird period in college where i tried to dress like i was a member of the alarm oh and gosh. for and for me that meant black jeans flannel shirt and a vest <laughs> this is also it's also edge edge u2 joshua tree yeah. era it's very similar edge could have seamlessly fit in uh with the alarm <laughs> uh, and musically they're similar too for, to, to, to that point like uh, yeah. i wonder if that hurt them a little bit did, did people see them too much as like a u2 knockoff it's weird because they should they should have you know uh I'm, I'm gonna get the number wrong what is it se- is it 76 guns 96 guns 68 guns will 68, nev- 68 guns <laughs> i i had them a little bit more i had a i had a bigger army uh plan for those guys they had a trim so they had budget cuts had to go down to 68 that's a great song I like them. I'm going to say yay. Fantastic. I, I'm a big yay on the alarm. Should have been bigger. Yeah. Save it for another day. All right. Rounding it out. Uh, one of the best shows I saw in the last few years happened at the Wiltern, ladies and gentlemen. And when you hear Blue Sky Mine, there's only one band that comes to mind, and that is Midnight Oil. 
There's a pause. Jimmy, I'm seeing, I can see Jimmy through the technology I, of Squadcast. <laughs> He's leaning back. I He's, hate to, I hate to end on a downer, man. You're going to have to pick one more band because I can't go out on a negative. It's, uh, I, I know, I know on paper and I know from guys like you and, and people that I get along with that love them. I know, I know I'm wrong. I just don't like them at all. I just, I don't know why. I just, no, I can't get into them. I tried, but that's, no. that's to- that's totally fair. I will try to sell you on the, you have to see them live, even though they haven't played live for 20 odd years. But the show at the Wiltern was was tremendous. However, it was filled, and I'm not joking about this. It was filled with drunk Aussies. Oh, I have I have never ever ever been hit on by a, a male human in my life. I go in the bathroom at the Wiltern in the in the basement. You've been there many times, I know. It's packed, and the next thing I know, I feel a giant arm, a big arm like a burly man's arm around my head, grabbing my neck. And I hear in the thickest Australian accent, which I will not attempt right now. You're beautiful. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very nice. And no wonder you like this band. <laughs> you, were, you were the nicest laugher in the world. That was not my takeaway from the concert. It was tremendous. But that, was, that, was, the, that was the only time I'd been hit on, and I was nearly nearly uh, taken advantage of right yeah. there in, in front of, uh, uh, of 20 other people. Uh, all right. So let me find. find uh, I, know, I, I have another artist that I, I do know you enjoy because I think you and I have talked about that. Okay. So I'm going to have Richard play Come Back and Stay. Oh, right now Thank by Mr. Luck. Paul Young. Um, I um, I have seen Paul Young in concert. I think I'm up to six times or something. I saw him, but maybe even more than that. I saw him a bunch in the 80s. Um, and uh, I would see him. And I, I was I was at a show his first time. I think it was his first time in Chicago for his um, No Parlay album. And he played at the Park West. And nobody was there, man. And I'm not kidding. If there were a hundred people, I'm exaggerating. Like nobody was there. And Paul was sick. I remember because we, uh, our contact with CBS Records, we were supposed to get backstage and we didn't because Paul was sick. But I literally, I, I did this with no humor, Brendan, with no humor. Paul Young came on stage and said, how y'all doing? And I went, I'm good with no humor. I like, I, I, I was genuine. I was sincere. Like, I, I literally thought, he's asking me, and I'm going to tell him. And my friend Dave, who I was there with, makes fun of me to this day. It's like, hey, remember the time that you waved and answered Paul Young in concert? I'm like, yep, sure do. I love him. I love him. If, if there's if there's a bootleg of that show, uh, <laughs> hopefully you can hear her. You can hear me say it. Uh, you know what? There was a bootleg of that show for a while because it was one of the WXRT unconcerts. Uh, Wendy, oh, whatever, whatever. Wendy Rice. Hey, I'm Wendy Rice with XRT, and you guys are here for an unconcert. You know, please welcome, like in a way too DJ 80s way, please welcome Paul Young. And uh, that was a great, man, that was a great show. And that, uh, I liked Paul Young before that. That show uh, turned me into a huge Paul Young fan. And in fact, I just saw him recently at the, uh, he uh, he and Midge Ear went on a tour together, and I saw that at the El Rey. And uh, a quick funny story about that, uh, I had backstage passes. I was finally going to meet Paul Young. I had never met him, and I, here I am. I'm going to meet him 30-something years later. And the El Rey is a very small venue where the – I said, hey, where's the where's the backstage area? And they go, oh, you go up those stairs. So I was like, oh, okay. So I went to go up the stairs, assuming that would empty out into other hallways and such. 
Uh, nope, it emptied right into Paul Young's dressing room with him getting ready. And I walk in, and my buddy Steve and I are, and and it, we we were just humiliated. Like, oh, hello, hi there. Uh, sorry. And then he was nice enough, but uh, you could tell, like, hey, you two, scram. You're in my fucking dressing room. But again, he was very, very nice. But uh, he should have told us to scram. And he should have been bigger. G- uh, colossal in the UK. Yes. Had a hit with uh, Every Time You Go by Hollow Notes uh, here in America, but should have been bigger. I love this song, Come Back and Stay, Oh, uh, when it great. came out on, on the very early days of MTV. Well, Jimmy, we have Thank been... You bullshitting for 57 minutes well now 58 minutes uh, on the nose so let me just let you just promote use this platform for my three listeners to promote whatever it is that you you want to throw out there uh my award-winning podcast never not funny where my uh my cast uh matt belknap and elliot hoberg and garen cockrell uh we have a guest on every week um and we've been doing it since 2006 so we know how to do it uh and it's just a lot of this if you dig what uh, what brennan's laying down man you're gonna like our show it's uh it's a lot of this. And um, I also have a show on YouTube called Jimmy's Records and Tapes, which you can get at U- uh, YouTube.com slash Never Not Funny. And uh, I started in 1975. And every year I go through a different year, uh, kind of a walk down memory lane um, about uh, using my record collection to, uh, you know, some of the stories. In fact, that I told here today have come up on Jimmy's Records and Tapes. So it's worth, uh, again, if you dig this, I think it really, uh, you'll dig that as well. Well, you, uh, few people make me laugh harder than you. Oh, you're the nicest. And, and I also want to say, I'm so grateful to you because you did blow me up when you appeared on the Brando cast the first time. And you're, you told me your followers will, will come. And they did. Uh, Cause you can measure that stuff. Well, I don't, and- I don't call them followers, by the way. I'm not a cult leader. I, uh, I, uh, let's, 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 let's pretend like that's how I speak about my, uh, the people that I'm lucky enough. They listen to me, my followers, your fans. Sure. The people, the people who enjoy you. I wasn't, up. I wasn't reprimanding you as much as, uh, it's like my followers sound like, Oh Jesus, this is, is that how this windbag talks when we're not around. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, well, anyway, but thank you. I, I, my honor. Truly, I'm truly grateful to you, and and for the rest of you out there, as we wind things down, I'm going to play us out with <laughs> the cult. She sells sanctuary uh, because I know that Jimmy is a big yay on the cult, as am I. And uh, to everyone listening at home, thank you so much for sticking with us during the quarantine. Uh, follow us, like us, subscribe, leave reviews. It's all helpful. We got some huge shows coming up with some punk rock legends that I'm very excited about so until next time cats and kittens